Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. DeWindy City Cubs podcast. Thank you for clicking on today. We appreciate it. Jordan Burnfield, Brian Beto coming up. We're taping ahead of game five of the year. Cubs are three and one. And a lot of things to talk about on the positive side of the ledger, which we'll get to. Jordan just became a proud father. Uh, so we'll talk about that for the first time. And just a lot to cover with what's going on on the field. Off the field, or at least you who's headed to the ballpark. Wow. People are excited to get to Wrigley, looking at the prices in the secondary market. People are paying big bucks. I saw one sale today, $350 for two tickets in the upper deck on a Tuesday night for Cubs and Brewers to see, I don't know, Albert Alzelay take on the old uh, fifth game of the season. Pretty amazing. But, hey, you haven't been able to go to Wrigley for a year It's a beautiful night. It's 75 degrees in Chicago. The Cubs are actually showing signs of life. People are looking for some things to do. It's outdoors. I get it. Pretty amazing. I don't know the last time that a ticket in April in the upper deck, which is a great seat, by the way, but would sell for that amount of money. So very interesting that, uh, yeah, people are paying up. It's going to be, if the Cubs are good this summer, it is going to be expensive. Uh, to get to Wrigley, which kind of sucks, but hey, I guess it's the way of the world, and this is what has happened when the secondary market came in, and we could all see the prices and all that type of stuff, and it's been had its benefits and had its negatives as well, but uh, just interesting. A lot of people headed out to Wrigley Field. I bet the, the White Sox will have the same thing going on. Their home opener coming up uh, this Thursday, and our first White Sox full-on podcast is coming on uh, this Friday. So my baseball fans who are Sox fans who are sticking with DeWindy on the Cubs side, my guy Dr. Funk, I know he's a huge Sox fan. Don't worry, we got you this Friday. Looking forward to it, our first Sox podcast. White Sox off to an interesting start on the south side. Get Tony LaRusso a new mask. All right, uh, let's get it rolling here. Cubs are 3-1. and one. Trevor Williams had an amazing night. Jake Arrieta looked good. Jason Hayward hitting bombs. Javi's playing well. KB's got something going. That happening. The Windy City Cubs podcast starts right now. Showtime. Got him. And he went back to it and struck him out. Great start for Trevor Williams. I think we got to start there today, gentlemen. Jordan Burnfield, you're a dad. How's it feel, buddy? It uh, it feels amazing. Uh, It is. I'm definitely exhausted uh, over the first five days as uh, B 
Vito, you all know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And so I think you'll forgive me uh, for admitting that I have not seen every inning of Cubs baseball so far. Not forgiving um, you. think that's terrible. Lack of priorities. <laughs> officially yeah. worried about the podcast. Vito? Uh, yeah. Any, uh, I, I mean, I'm speechless. I, I can't believe you you would prioritize the birth of your firstborn child over Cubs, Pirates, and, and early April. And Brewers. It's true. And Brewers. I mean, this is a divisional clash. Three, and you're going right yeah. to Matilda. So, yeah, Matilda, great uh, birthday selection, by the way. Opening day, huh? Yes, you, yes opening day. It was, it was sort of funny. I, I, there is actually um, an additional baseball connection because when we – you know, Deanna went into labor and we go to the hospital. Uh, you know, obviously you don't know exactly how everything's going to progress in, in terms of a timeline. And then right as we were you know, getting ready for the big push, the doctor said to me, because I, I had a Cubs t-shirt on, she goes, when is first pitch today? And I was like, 120. She goes, I think your daughter's going to be here for first pitch. I was like, that's definitely my kid then. Yes. That's, an, that's, so, an, that's an incredible doctor to go for the game time. Doctor should have known the game time for the record. I mean, what kind of doctor is this actually? <laughs> this this she, doctor is clearly not. Plus, uh, she was very good. Matilda probably could have thrown more strikes than the Cubs pen that day. For, so. Yes. Well, Matilda came in at, at 12.57. She was probably, you know, just uh, in time for like the in, in normal times like the Walgreens ceremonial first pitches, you know, right, right when they're getting ready for, like, the, the lineups to be read. You know, she just wanted to settle into her seat and, and get ready to observe Cubs baseball. For the so, record, we, yeah. we, we, we should have known because we did have the text chain going, and me and Beto were writing back and forth, and I'm yelling about Jason Hayward grounding out to second, and there's an Ian Happ strike out. Everything that we said was – gonna happen or hopefully wouldn't happen did happen on opening day then the Cubs became unbelievable but Jordan didn't weigh in at all so it, it, we should two and two together here dude's definitely about to become a father there's no way that's that has to be the only thing that would stop you from the text chain right I mean that that's a so, bad so job we're not very intelligent though so we didn't put two, two, I two didn't. and two together I didn't know I was like this well, this freaking guy doesn't text on opening day what kind of podcast partner is this no, I don't. You know, so the funny thing was, like, I was getting so many texts, including from you two, because obviously everyone is assuming that I'm watching the game, which is a good assumption. I didn't see any of it. Although, actually, I saw – that's not true. I saw very little of it. Um, but, you know, I didn't see my phone until probably around 4 o'clock. And so, you know, we – after the delivery and they, they uh, you know, we go through all the procedural stuff, they bring us up to – our next room, and I was like, Deanna, you know, Matilda was was taking a little nap. I was like, do you want me to turn on the Cubs game? She's like, sure. So I put it on on the iPad, and the first pitcher that Matilda sees is Dan Winkler. And I was like, well, this is just just perfect. She gets a bad reliever as the first Cub that she sees. So I will forever remember Dan Winkler as the first Cub that Matilda experienced. I, I, got I was going to say, you will remember, because my firstborn, my daughter, was born a couple days after opening day. But while my wife was in labor, I literally remember the game. That Jake Arrieta was pitching in Arizona. I think he homered against the Diamondbacks. It was the day after. It was 2016. So it was the day after Schwarber actually went down 
So I needed her to come out because I was already, I was in bad spirits after he tore every ligament in his knee. <laughs> and then she gets born like basically late at night. So the first game she's here for is the Cubs home opener that day. And at like nine o'clock, you know, it's obviously it's dark. Everything's in the hospital. Like the lights are out. She's sleeping. Sarah's sleeping. And I scream because Addison Russell hits a three run homer on the bottom of the eighth in 2016. And then Hector Rondon closed it out in the ninth, and it was a very exciting moment. I woke up my daughter. Nobody was really happy about that, but I'll never forget like that. They were born right around those two games, and you'll never forget Dan Winkler because of the same scenario. This is really yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it, the the funny thing was, you know, they had the off day the next day, and obviously we're still in the hospital. And as only my dad could do, he calls to check in on us, you know, see how everybody's doing. And then my dad says, Matilda's been alive for a whole day, and she's still never seen the Cubs win. It's just so unfortunate. <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, that is true. In Jeff Burnfield fashion. We love it. Yes. Yes. But fortunately, now Matilda has seen a few Cubs win. So that's been quite nice. I mean, you got to tell Jeff Burnfield, your fine father, to stop projecting his pain onto Matilda and, and, <laughs> and, and just realize that he's, he had to wait a second for a nice three-game win streak. Uh, I got two things here. Number one, the text chain started on Thursday at one thirty-one. I I sent out a boy, oh boy. Beto's response was trade him. Um, I don't know who I was even talking. Was ta- this when Hendricks was getting rough? It was about Hendricks. Oh I yeah, was I was yeah. I was kidding. Yeah, about, but it was about Hendricks. All right, and so then. Yeah. Uh, then I said one for one, I think, which was definitely the Hayward ground out. Then I wrote, I hate this team. Beto writes unsubscribe. <laughs> then I write, and it's just a flurry. Hayward roll out to second base. Hap swings pitch over his head. Can anyone get better at life? Three, one, two to windy. That was the text chain on opening day. And then I, and then it just, I apparently gave up till the end of the day, two forty five. I wrote must be the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think we had we had like 11, 11 dudes that had been retired in a row. Uh, but more importantly, for those who are wondering, Jordan, then we'll move off your 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 baby. Uh, why 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 Matilda? Where does the name come from? It's a it's a, not a traditional you know standard Fred uh, uh, Adele Jordan Brian Sam. How do you get to Matilda? Yeah, so we you know we looked at a lot of names and uh, Beto, I'm sure. Uh, with your kids, you know, there was, there was a lot of discussion. Um, we really love the name. It actually, it, it means battle strength, and it uh, is of English and Germanic origin, and we wanted our daughter to have a, a name that connotes strength and female strength. So, um, you know, we wanted something unique and something that, you know, I, I don't know, when I was a kid, even being named Jordan, um, there weren't any other Jordans in my class for the most part growing up. And I kind of liked that I was the only one. Um, and so, you know, sometimes when a kid gets a name that's really popular at a, at a particular time period or era, you know, then you become, there's a Jennifer A and a Jennifer C and a Jennifer L and a Jennifer S in, in the class. But we wanted her to have a name that, uh, you know, meant something strong for a woman and, and also, uh, be something unique. This so is this is. Came up with this, I love it. This, and you know they're going to call her by her first name, right? Because that's that's like me. Like obviously, like my name. My parents did a terrific job, but everyone calls me yeah. by my last name, right? So a lot, a lot of Brian's true. out yeah. there. <laughs> I, 
I got to tell you, this this is a very interesting moment in time for me because I remember as a kid growing up and there was a Veronica in my class, the great Veronica Cohn, outstanding Ravinia school, K through fiver. And I remember my parents saying, like, Veronica, why does she have to have a special name? And, like, my, my what I was taught by good old Fred and Gladys was, like, your name is Mark. You're just like everybody else. Don't try to be unique. You're nothing special. Versus what Burnfield's doing is you're the greatest. You're going to have strength. You're going to dominate. You're going to rule the world. Now, whose parents were better, Burnfield, Jordan, and Deanna, or Fred and Gladys? As much as I love my mom and dad, I got to go Jordan and Deanna. And I gotta leave this podcast. <laughs> Poor Papa Fred. We're really exercising some demons right now that we didn't know existed. I mean, I, I've got some pent yeah. up issues. Hey, uh, all right, let's. You, you guys want to talk Cubs? This is. I mean, we're yeah, three. Sure. We're on the Cubs podcast. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah. what are you most excited about, Beto? Three and one. Who? What? Uh, what keeps you up at night thinking about? Wow, this is amazing. Anything? Um, I think. I mean, it's it's four games, right? So. Let's let's say what it is, and two of the wins are against the Pirates. Um, but I think if you're looking at encouraging early signs, and you know, you, I think it's possible to not draw conclusions how it's going to be the rest of the year, but also say like, hey, this has been pretty good so far. I think the two things that stand out is I think the starting pitching outside of Hendricks, who you, you will expect will be good. Like I like what I say. Ariad has clearly lost some stuff, but his stuff I thought looked good. I thought Trevor Williams' opening start. I know he got charged with two runs that he probably should have been pulled earlier um, in that start, but he looked just awesome. Like his command was unreal. He was putting wherever he wanted. Zach Davies looked really good. And then I think the other thing is, even though the offense hasn't broken out and had one of those huge games yet, I think Chris Bryant looks pretty good at the plate. So, I mean, he's had the whole, he had the first home run of the year. He's had a couple other hits. He's been active in the middle of the lineup. And I think that's an encouraging sign. Um, So those are the two things for me that kind of, kind of stand out outside of Kimbrel too. who looked good. You named four things that I wrote down. I've got KB. I've got Zach Davies. Absolutely love his changeup. I've got down, uh, what else? Do, oh, I, Zach Davies. I just did the pitching outside of Hendricks. I Williams and, and uh, Arietta. And, and I wrote down and Trevor good. Williams in the tattoo. The guy looks on incredibly in, intimidating and his dad's in the stands and apparently used to work at Wrigley and all sorts of stuff is going on. Jordan, uh, Papa Jordan, we're going to call you on this on this podcast today. Anything? Fine, yeah. What? What? Anything standing out for you? Four games in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Vito touched on a lot of it. To me, it's the starting pitching because I I do I do think that over the course of the year, the biggest problem the Cubs are going to end up having from a starting pitching perspective is they have a bunch of guys that do the same thing, which generally is not a recipe for success unless you have a bunch of guys that you know, have Pedro Martinez stuff, that would be good. But, you know, for this team, obviously you have a bunch of guys that throw in the high 80s or low 90s and are changing speeds, which is effective on its own. But I think, you know, obviously ideally you'd want a couple of power arms to counteract that. So, so far, and obviously Trevor Williams pitched really well. Uh, Jake, it was just fun to see Jake back and looking. I I realize it's Pirates, but looking like, uh, you know, a, a different but still sort of Jake-like figure out there. Um, Davies pitched well, like you said, so I, I like that. But I, you know, I, I keep looking at this roster, and I keep looking at this bullpen, and I'm just like, I just, there's no way it's going to be good. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be overly negative, but, like, I was looking at their depth chart of relievers, and I'm like, this is great that you did it against the Pirates. 
great that you held on against the Brewers last night, though. I was watching the national title game, and I flipped back over just in time to see the three-run homer. Uh, in this, I think it was the seventh. And I'm like, I don't know. This bullpen just doesn't look good to me. But from a starting pitching perspective, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the best thing that I've seen so far. You, didn't, you haven't fallen in love with Rex Brothers, who somehow made my rundown for his getting a double play against the Pirates when they had to have it. He looks terrible. Yeah. That guy looks hey, You know, you know lefties, though. Rex you know me, I'm, I'm more bullish on the Cubs bullpen than most. I, the names don't stand out, but I think I, I don't think they're going to be as bad once they figured it out. I'm not going Rex Brothers level. We haven't even seen Dylan Maples. Wait, hold on. Which hold is probably on. good because you can't trust him. Here comes Andrew Chafin. I would bet my life on it. Go ahead. Well, just generally speaking, but I think Andrew Chafin looks good, obviously. <laughs> By the way, I mean, what do you do? Strike out four or five in a row? He's a. Did he, they move the games to 6:40 because Andrew Chafin he, you know, has to be in bed early? He's 65 years old. I love his look. It definitely could be. His look is but one of the great. Tell me, looks. I'm wrong about Andrew Chafin. He's he's had a pretty good career outside of last year before he got hurt. But he can get lefties and righties out. He's looked pretty solid. I know he was terrible in game one, but Brandon Workman looked really good the other night in game two. It wasn't just because it was the Pirates either. Like his spot was good. I just think there's a recipe there to be better than what people think. I could, you could literally go to old takes exposed in three months, and I could be way off the mark here. And I'm willing to to put myself on the line for that. But I. I not that it's going to like look like an elite bullpen, but I, I just think it has the ch- opportunity to be a little bit better than what people think it is. I mean, could be wrong. I'm feeling a little bit of Cubs brilliance going on right now. Like Andrew Chafin would be Cubs brilliance, undervalued guy that they picked up. Zach Davies right now looks like brilliant Cub brilliance. Like, I I almost feel more comfortable with Zach Davies on the mound than you, Darvish. Zach Dave Zach Davies. Well, that's. Let, that's kind of ridiculous. I, I know, of course it is, but that's what I. That, but the guy looked. That changeup was nasty. Like, that wasn't. I mean, he's good. He's, he's a, a good pitcher. Um, he's a guy. So he's he's maybe better than a than a guy. Maybe he's slightly above average. It just to me like you Darvish about was, him. Go ahead. You Darvish was was bad the first year he was here, but when you Darvish is year and at a half. the peak of his powers, you Darvish is nasty. I mean, you watch the stuff, and that stuff plays anywhere. I, I know that the, you know the, the totality of Hugh Darvish's three years at the Cubs were not all great. Obviously, the beginning was terrible, but you know this guy Darvish has a, has the ability, as we saw, to threaten the Cy Young when he's pitching really well. Zach Davies to me is like you know maybe he's slightly above average WAR at the end of the year, but I'm not expecting anything more than that. I was overly aggressively uh, anti you Darvish because it resulted in Jake Arrieta leaving. But just for the record, you Darvish one game in has got an ERA of seven seven one. He went four and two thirds, gave up eight hits, four runs. Davies was dealing. Davies has a W. Cubs brilliance. Let's go. You, let's... Are, you are the small sample man. You you wanted everyone <laughs> gone after opening day, and now you're the most optimistic guy on the planet. You're living life all in like Cap. This is, it's, hey, it's wild. You, you want to hear another all in life uh, Cap wait, all moment? Wait, are you living life all in or Allen? As some people <laughs> seem to think that it is. 
I got into it with Ryan McGuffey at uh, NBC Sports Chicago on the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, I love Guff. I love Guff too, but he was, you know, I'm sitting there trying to protect the White Sox and tell him that Tony Larusa needs to not pitch Michael Kopech three innings in his first outing in two years. And uh, Guffey's coming back at me. It looks great. It wasn't a high pitch count, all this stuff. And I was, and then I didn't want to continue the battle on Twitter, so I just came back at him with live life all in just to end it. I thought, <laughs> That's that's a way to end any sports argument from from nowadays among Chicago you get a people. On your I gotta steal that. I gotta steal it. Hashtag take I, take that take that nation. Um, I do have one other positive yeah. that I forgot about that I'm really can excited about. Take and that it's nation. Can can we discuss that real quickly? Like about what? Who comprises take that nation? I don't know what that is either. Okay, I don't so know. that's Cap's thing, and he started taking. No, I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. Does well, that make sense? Well, no, <laughs> that well, makes sense. Yeah. Well, so it, it's it's take that nation right now is Cap, Mindy J. Cap. Um, I think you got to throw. Let's see. I mean. See, I would say Jay Hood, but I don't even know if he's in there. I don't think he is, and I and I don't think Zetterman is either. I think there's two people in Take That Nation. I think it's Cap and Mini J. Cap. <laughs> it's a fruitless endeavor to try to expand Take That Nation. Actually, I don't even think Mindy J. Cap is in Take That Nation. I think she's probably out. I think there's one person in the nation, and it's Cap. <laughs> oh, we love him. <laughs> we, oh, do. God, we, do. we do, we do, we do. definitely not in Take That Nation. Oh, <laughs> man. He was put to the side like a cue ball should have been. We love you, Q. Oh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're derailing. <laughs> I, I know. I, I want to – we're speaking of broadcasters. I That's my other positive is that Boog and, and JD have been fantastic. No doubt. No doubt. So strong. Yeah. JD had so, a great interaction with you. You comfortable here, book? Can I get you something? You you, you want? You, 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 there's a closet back there. You want to get a sandwich? He's he's you know he's tr- <laughs> trying to welcome him in. Uh, and and Len's tweeting out that he's the happiest that he's ever been and loves the broadcast and all that stuff. So all's well that ends well, right? I mean, he's happy and and here comes Boog. I think people are going to fall in love with him, just like apparently you have already, Bino. Yeah, I mean, I always liked him even prior. Like, it was one of those, I think we've talked about this, that when they hired him, it was kind of a slam dunk. But he fits in. I I think the chemistry between him and JD, we anticipated being good. But it's been been really strong. So, I think JD is eh, probably a lot of that reason. He seems like he'd be kind of easy to work with. He's just awesome. Great insight. He had a hilarious tweet this morning that I was, I know Carmen, you'll especially love this. He tweeted something like, does that mean we have to wait another year to see Dikembe block another shot because we're not going to see those Dikembe commercials anymore? And then I'm on the floor rolling around. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. You know, you know what I will say from listening, you know, I think what something you were kind of talking about, Vito, was like there's a certain familiarity and comfort that I think fans have with their local broadcasters, and it's mm-hmm. hard to achieve it. You know, I think like, even when Len came in, and I'm a huge fan of Len's, like it took a while to kind of get used to the voice and get used to his manners. For sure. How he talked about the game and all those sorts of things. And Boog so far just feels like maybe it's because we've consumed his work before. Like we've seen him do games and listened to yeah. him do games. So like you're used to the voice. I don't know. It just, it, it oddly feels to me like 
the transition was so quick and smooth, which may have been something that the marquee people wanted to do. But, like, I don't know. I find myself listening to it, and I'm like, yeah, this is completely comfortable to me. And I don't feel I, like it's not a carry. Normally you know, I think that's the yeah. other thing, right? Like, we literally, not that Harry and Chip were the same, but we literally, in our lifetime, Jordan, we only had carries for TV yeah. up until 2005. So that transition, I remember thinking the same thing with Len was just weird not having a carry be the play-by-play guy. So maybe it just seems if a little bit more natural. If we could just have Boo start spelling players' names backwards and then reading them, then it would be really <laughs> that, were, that were good. Then there's Carmen, who, who was around when Ronald Reagan was the voice of the Cubs. That was so, so good. we can have him talk about that. I... <laughs> well, that is actually what I want to talk about, sort of. Like, he, like Boog is unbelievable, tremendous, professional, national, really good at his job broadcaster. But I'm missing the hometown Harry Carey, Ron Sano, Bill Murray drunk in the box. Like, that, I just, I'll forever miss it. Uh, that's what, that's, you know, like, Benetti is straight incredible, the guy, and he's and he's very excitable, too, and he's super smart and, and interesting and all of it. But there's part of me on the south side that will always miss Hawk because he's such a homer. Like, I, I love homers, and I love unique, different-sounding, not, you know, Burnfield, Beto, W-A-E-R, Bradley, polished broadcasters. I, I like, you know, relative sounding idiots in my in my booth for me like i i do i i I, I, to your point though i do think there is validity to that like i was just listening to a clip i don't even remember how it came up but i was listening to a a pat and ron call recently and um it there is something sad about the fact that those personalities of play-by-play are gone or going to be gone i mean I'm trying to even think of who's left. Like, to me, I love Dick Vitale. Like, I think he's great. I think the people that criticize him just don't get it. And, like, when he's not doing games anymore, we're going to miss hearing, you know, it's awesome with the capital A and all this stuff. Like, to me, I love that. And you got that that same kind of, you know, flair with with Hawk, with Ronnie for sure. I mean, Ronnie freaking out in the middle of Pat's play-by-play was the soundtrack of my childhood. It's honestly one of the reasons why, you know, Pat and Ron's interplay was one of the reasons why I even wanted to get into radio in the first place. So, like, I agree that to, to an extent that I don't want the personality of the booth to die. But I also think on the flip side, even though Boog is really professional, like he has a good sense of humor about him, and I think it plays sure. well with J.D. So I think as they go along, I think – they'll be able to start, like, opening it up a little bit more. And I, like, I think you see that even with Benetti and Stone. You know, the two of them are kind of giving each other the business during the game. And I think, especially in baseball, I mean, these games are long as hell. And you need, you need that stuff. And so I, I do think there's validity to that. Like, I, I want I, – I do think that we can't all be, um, you know, as you would put it, Carm, like, W-A-E-R, Bradley, polished broadcasters. I mean, you have to have – some personality, especially with baseball. Stone added. Yeah, when you're the homer. I think there's for sure a difference between like, oh, that guy's a great national guy. Not quite sure. I, you know, I'd want them on the home broadcast, right, for 162, especially in baseball. To your point. So, and I think, I think to your point again, I totally agree with with Shambi. I feel like you could probably get a little bit of both, as, especially as the season goes on. I'll get that 
eclectic uh, personality out a little bit too. Well, he already called himself the resident fat guy, which was enjoyable. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's a great point that you make on the the Benetti Stone booth. Like Steve is, I mean, he is that guy still to a point. I mean, he's always been so polished and so Steve Stone. But like, even on Twitter, did you see his tweet about the All Star Game being moved out of Georgia? And yeah. this morning I tweeted an invitation for baseball to play the All-Star game at our ballpark on the south side. It brought some insightful and well-reasoned responses. If you can still see this, you made it through the day unblocked. Congrats. <laughs> there are some nasty yeah, people out them. there. <laughs> I love them. And I don't, listen, I don't think that Steve Stone w- is ever going to be accused of being like a quote-unquote liberal. So it's just interesting uh, that, you know, he's trying to have a, a reasonable conversation and people, are, you know, I'm sure that's what I, I'm guessing that was a lot of who got blocked on that one, which, by the way, congratulations to Major League Baseball. Uh, you're you're on the right side of this. I don't care what anyone says. And uh, and and the Atlanta Braves, you suck and you should back them and say we can't <laughs> we, we, we can't wait to have the game here when things are um, when we're when we're willing to give people water when they wait in line to get to vote. You idiots. So, um, and I know that uh, this is not, you know, people don't want politics on their in their life. But, it's, you know, hey, this is sports. It's it's in there, man. And there's a reason why it ended up in Coors Field. I, I applaud MLB on it, uh, not to get too yeah. too heavy here. Uh, I, yeah. I'm actually, I was a little surprised. I, and not I in was a bad stunned. way. I just, I didn't know if they would actually pull the trigger on it. I was but, stunned. Yeah, I, I don't, I am a little surprised too, because I, it doesn't strike me as something that Rob Manfred, I mean, Rob Manfred doesn't seem to be the kind of commissioner that wants to wade into controversy. He almost seems to be the guy that wants to please everyone to his own detriment. Um, And I think too, like the one thing I would say about the Braves is I I read their statement a couple of times and it's like, I kind of get what they're saying. You know, the Braves didn't make this law like the law you know, my my personal opinion is it's obviously not a good law for a multitude of reasons, but the Braves didn't do this. And the decision, while I understand the symbolism and I support it, like if you're the Braves, you're like, well, you know, we get screwed and the businesses around us don't get the financial benefits of the All-Star game. So I probably would have worded the statement differently if I were the Braves, but I kind of yeah. see where they're coming from. Like, is that is that fair? Like, I feel like... You know, uh, they uh, didn't. They didn't make the law. Like it, it, it didn't have anything to do with them. They they could easily say for our fans who are excited to have the game here, just like we are. Um, we're sorry that we won't be able to host it this year, but there are. Um, but we do look forward to having the game in the future, um, which is what will happen. And by the way, just just so we're all clear here, I don't know if they're going to change. And I'm not exactly even sure what the Braves' policies are if they're doing the crazy thing that Texas is doing, where they're welcoming everybody in. But the reality is, is that we are still in the pandemic, and it's not that great of a year to have the All Star Game. So you may get it next year or the following or whatever when you can actually fill up the ballpark. It's not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not a huge loss for you. It's actually a win. You're gonna still get it. Just just play nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you know. I was I was kind of like because the Cubs haven't had it in what thirty it'll be thirty one years now, and I was thinking to myself like, gosh, like I want it, I'd love for it to be at Wrigley, but I'm I'm hoping this isn't the year because of the reason that you just mentioned. So hopefully it'll be there soon. By the way, since they're going to have it in Colorado, can they bring back Jay Buner for the? Home <laughs> Did you say Jay Buner? Is he one? They were talking about this last night. Didn't uh, JD or Shami thought it was 
Griffey that won it too. Was that was it Jay Buhner? Well, no, I think, I think was that the last time it was there against Jay Buhner in the final of the of the home wow. run derby. I want to say, I think Griffey may have won, but Jay Buhner had a hell of a home run derby that year. Hey, we're up. Jay Buhner, he, he could really swing the stick. He, he's a great he, Seinfeld reference too. So he, he is Frank Costanza yelling at Steinbrenner. Yep. We're uh, the table. I'm gonna have to go watch that on YouTube. Don't remember it. We're up against the clock here. Beto's got a very important business meeting as we record this on uh, Tuesday before Game Two with the with the Milwaukee Brewers. I just want to get out three things that are on my list that we have not mentioned yet. Uh, number one, they're having a statue for Fergie at Wrigley, which is one of the, is, yeah. which is flat out awesome. Fergie's the greatest. Um, I remember a moment with Fergie. I want to say he was the pitching coach in like 95, I want to say, 94, 95, somewhere in there, right after the strike. And somebody asked him, like he's down at the bullpen, where the bullpen used to be down the left field line, and somebody asked him for something like where something was, and Fergie's like, come on, I'll take you. And he opens the gate to the field and walks into the stands and walks this person to where they need it to go. So now, like, Fergie's, you know, he's in his uniform and he's walking around in Section 6 down there. I'm like, you're just an awesome person. Like, you know, no one does that. Outside of the fact that he was... Fergie, Fergie's amazing. Hey, he is he's such, such a good a person. nice person, yes. too. Yeah, I mean, like, amazingly nice. Just, you know, Carm, you and I, like, we would cover stuff for... GN, you know, you run into Fergie and you're like, this guy's a Hall of Famer and he's this down to earth and nice. It's kind of crazy how well he treats everyone when he certainly has the stature to not be as nice as he is, but he is. And it honestly got me thinking, like, this is a no-brainer that they're doing this, but I'm curious, you guys, like, who do you think would get the next statue if they're even, I assume there will be others, but who would get the next statue outside Wrigley Field? Maybe Perez. Theo. <laughs> I think Theo would be a good choice. If you're going players, I was. I mean, is it crazy to suggest John Lester and for what he meant to the Cubs World Series golden era? Or Anthony Rizzo? I'd go, I'd go Rizzo before. If we're going modern day, Rizzo. We also have Ryan Sandberg. As well, who's got yeah. his banner flying? I'm surprised Rhino doesn't have one already. But so, well, I, I mean, I guess you think it's Fergie, and I mean, nothing against the Cubs per se, but I, like once he announced it, you're like, why didn't this happen so long ago? You know, it's been a long time coming, and he's been around forever, not just as a player, but he's been an ambassador, like you said. He was a pitching coach. Wasn't he? A, wasn't he a pitching coach at the same time Billy Williams was the hitting coach? Or did I make that up? I think that's right. At least Billy Which was around. a while to think about. Billy was definitely around the club at the time. Uh, love. He was a hitting coach. I, I just, I'm pretty sure. I just don't know if it was the same time. Love, but. love Billy. I remember Mike North taking a run at Billy Williams as the hitting coach, and Billy was so, so mad at Pappy around the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Which is just amazing. What did he do? I, I don't, don't remember. I there, he yeah, just Billy Williams he, is also like the nicest guy ever. He just so. he called out Billy Williams for the Cubs hitting, and Billy's like, get the. He was just he was in he was in, enraged at North is all I remember. Uh, Jason Hayward hit a bomb. I want to give him love, even though he's grounded out to second. I think a hundred times already, but he hit one that thing that has not come come down yet. Craig Kimbrell, huh? Dude looks so yeah. good. I mean, it was it is against subpar competition, but he does look good. Also, that Jay Hay home run uh, was the first 
radio home run called of my daughter's life. So uh, that was as we were driving home from the hospital, we experienced the Jay Hay home run in the car. So Jay Hay, love you. I mean, I think that's a great way to end the podcast, bring it back to Matilda, but I do have one thing I got to get out there. So sorry, Jordan. Eric <laughs> Eric Sogard is the next Ben Zobrist. Who's with me? Sogard puts it in play. Clutch hits. Had a rip-ringing double last night. I love Sogard. Coomdog was You got one to destroy that. Ian Happ and Jason Hayward, but Eric Sogard, MVP. <laughs> Sogard. Sogard, so good. Sogard. Hey, I will say, they, they do, you know, it's it, – we kind of joke about it, but they need those guys that are going to make contact in those situations, and he's a guy that makes contact. So, I mean, it's a, it, I think there's a fit there and utility, so we'll see. Just remember that tweet's going to be going out a lot this year. So guard, so good. I love this so team. Are you just are you gonna, like, about it, wake me up before you Soto? We got to wake me up before you Sogard. I got to come up with a Sogard song. Oh, God. I feel like you're just going to John Rothstein this Cubs season where you just tweet the same stuff every single day. <laughs> it spreads. We sleep in November. <laughs> I know. I, I literally call I, – I, I, I've turned that into a term. Like, if you tweet the same things every single day, you've John Rothstein on Twitter. Who's John Rothstein? Should really? I think he's a college You've never heard of him? I, I'm sure yeah. I actually love him. I think he's hilarious. I, I actually find his work to be very good, but his Twitter, like, there are times where I'm like, dude, you've tweeted <laughs> at least tweet in May. I thought there used to be a thing on Twitter where, like, if it says, oh, you've already actually tweeted this, you can't do it. But apparently that's yeah. not a thing anymore. Like, uh, he no. tweets the same statements, like, every day, and it's pretty funny. Every so. day. I, Illinois basketball, him. here comes the pain. Mick Cronin, yeah. more consistent than a few good men on a rainy Sunday. <laughs> Every single yes. time. It's incredible. 254,000. More ridiculous than a forensics officer. I, I, <laughs> the reason why we can read these, we could say these tweets from memory is because they're the same thing every single day. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic. But I, I'm here for it. I, I, I could, I'm here for Carm doing that in Cub World. Hashtag yeah. Hashtag John Rothstein, who's got 254,000 followers, which is uh, 200 and what is that? Uh, 46,000 more followers than me. No problem. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, way more than me. So who am I to criticize? Jordan, Papa Jordan, congratulations. I mean, I think you're, yeah. Cubs being three and one is slightly bigger than you becoming a dad, but you're right there, buddy. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, understood. Cubs are playing 750 ball. Trump's all. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great. Honestly, it's it's crazy to have an experience like that on opening day because I was so not ready for the Cubs to start the season, and I still am not. But I am looking forward to watching a few innings tonight. Beto, final word. Let's see where we're at in two days. All this positivity goes away. The text chain blows up in the next 48 hours if the Cubs drop the next two. So let's just let's just see what wow. happens. I'm looking next, for, not even. It's I'm not even 48. Albert to Albert like, Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to Albert I look forward to Albert giving up a first inning home run and getting a boy-oh-boy oh boy text. That's what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, season's over. 24 hours from now, we'll have two more games under the belt to, to get a, even a larger sample size. So we'll, we'll see what the mood is next time.
the sun is shining in Chicago. The one-two. Strike three call. Yelich caught looking. Off-speed pitch got him. Strikeout number four for Trevor Williams. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. So leadoff man aboard, first base runner for either team. And here is Wilson Contreras. Swing and a ball rips center field. Bradley going back near the wall. First hit of the year, and it's a biggie. Wilson Contreras, a two-run blast to center, and the Cubs jump out front, two-nothing. Well, never mind the hit and run. Hit and trot. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey at Wrigley Field. you've been in this business of broadcast? <laughs> well, this is my 38th year. I did 25 years with the St. Louis Cardinals, you know. I thought they were going to give me a gold watch. They gave me a pink <laughs> slip. I went out to Oakland and worked for Charlie Finley one year. That's about par for the course. Had 11 years with the Chicago White Sox, and now I'm a rookie announcer for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> What you got to keep in mind is that uh, everything is relative. The Cubs may not be showing any improvement in the standings, but I think that all you have to do is talk to other uh, teams and other players, and they will tell you that the Cubs are a much tougher team to beat. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Winter Haven, Florida. Lafayette, Colorado, and now our national anthem. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.